I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Caged In Presents Copla Connections, brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Pat Syllabus. This is episode 18 and our film for this week is Prophecy, released in 1979, directed by John Frankenheimer and starring this week's Copla Connection, Talia Shire. If you have never listened to the podcast before, what we do here is we watch every single film in the collective Coppola filmography to determine whether they are the greatest film family of all time. This week, I'm joined by Will Chichester, where we kind of get under the skin of this creature feature. And we talk about his Coppola credentials, how he got to know the family as the wider organism. We also dive into the whole, like, creature feature phenomenon of the kind of mid to late 70s and how this film slots into films like Jaws or Piranha. If you haven't seen this film, we talk about it in every single gory, spoiler-filled detail. So be sure to stop the podcast now and go watch it a little recommendation as well this film has recently had a fantastic restoration by eureka entertainment so pick up a blu-ray that's the uh, what i watched it on and it's absolutely fantastic unfortunately for this episode there is no bonus nick cage filled chat which i'm kind of uh, a bit upset about I feel like there would have been a great little chat with Will all about Nick Cage. But I'll be sure to get him on at some point to record a special Patreon bonus for that. But if you would like any of the previous Patreon episodes, head on over to patreon.com forward slash pod, where you can donate as little as £1 or $1 a month to help this train keep chugging on down the track to Coppola Town. So I guess all that's left to do is to pack up your things, head on down to the woods, insert yourself in the middle of a tense situation involving some native people and some loggers, and be aware of the big old pizza bear as we make some Coppola Connections.
Today, I'm going down to the woods, and I'm sure I'm going to be in for a surprise, as we look at John Frankenheimer's 1979 eco-horror creature feature, Prophecy, written by the Omen's very own David Seltzer, starring Robert Foxworth, Amanda Sante, and today's Coppola connection, Talia Shire. To help me figure out what is going on in the woods, has somebody poisoned the waterhole, and what the fuck is that mutant bear? Is Will Chichester? Welcome, Will. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's um. So let's jump off of the 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 bat here, and I'll I'll, I'll ask you, uh, what is your kind of history in regards to the ecological kind of creature features? Are you a fan? Yeah, I'm a. Jaws is one of my favourite films, and I think that was a jumping off point for quite a few of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think. Yeah, you had Jaws, and then, obviously this is a bit later, but then Piranha, which is yep. a classic. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I yeah, I'm a bit of a sucker for a creature feature. So yeah. What about like films that kind of have this, like, I don't know, not message movies as such, but obviously this kind of, this film, and we'll get into it a lot more, has yeah. a very clear, like, we're, we're the problem. Yeah, right. yeah, and I mean, it's, well, like you said, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it packs in quite a few issues in the first <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so before we get to talking about prophecy, I always like to ask uh, people their kind of Coppola credentials. So when did you first become aware of the Coppola family as this entity that they are of like kind of there's all these tendrils and yeah, all these different members of the family? Well, I knew... From from loving films from younger, I knew the connection with Nicolas Cage and the Coppola family, and then Sophia Coppola because, mm-hmm. but I wasn't aware of how far reaching it was. Mainly <laughs> through yourself, like how far reaching and how yeah, how many there are and how many connections. So, what? Who would have been your entry point? Like, which which family members film would you have seen first? Weirdly, I think it probably it may have been Talia Shire because of the Rocky films. Yeah. Do you know I mean because that would be I think the first one I would have seen would have been Rocky Four. Mm-hmm. I remember, <laughs> remember Rocky Four as because one forty next year. I think Rocky Four was eighty six. Mm-hmm. So it was a few years after that. So I think yeah, Rocky Four would have been. But I also remember watching The Godfather way too young. Yeah. But because you know, I like films, therefore I have to watch The Godfather. Yeah, so but probably Talia Shire would have been my entry point into the Coppola's without realising it, but yeah. When did you become aware that she was uh, a, a member of the Coppola family, would you say? Only recently, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, fairly recently. But like, this is only through listening to yourself and yeah, I wasn't like... A, yeah, I wasn't aware until recently. It's it's crazy, right? Because like, when you look back, you go, "Oh, it makes sense. That's why she's in the Godfather." Jimmy, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing. So, um, yeah, what? So, you, I think you've answered the second question, which should have been, "What would have been the first Talia Shire film you would have saw?" And it would have been Rocky Four, right? So, I, yeah, you would think Rocky Four. Did she make an impression on you in those films? Because I know, like, 
especially Rocky Four. She's she's almost like a different character to what you meet in the first Rocky, right? Yeah. So Rocky Four would have been the first one I watched, but then obviously since then I've like everyone has watched all the Rocky mm-hmm. films, and she is great. And we'll get onto it. But she's she's pretty good in the film we're gonna sit, we're gonna talk about. Yeah. But yeah, she's good. But yeah, like her character does change. But yeah, that the Rocky series is what I I know of her mm-hmm. in the in the main part. Yeah, uh, the, what I like about the character of Adrian in the Rocky series is that like she kind of like comes out of herself as the film goes on, the films go on. Like so, I think like by that one, like or the fifth one at least, she's like she's really like taking no shit. She's standing up for Rocky. Like, do you know what I mean when like? There's yeah, the yeah, pressures she, to fight and stuff like that. She be, well, yeah, she becomes more of a character rather than just a service to the film in the first one. Yeah, she does become a character, a written character. <laughs> so she does develop. So let's talk about prophecy. Rob, Vic, what are you doing here? Listen to me. This paper company, Pitney Mills Paper Company, bought the timber rights to 100,000 acres of forest in Maine. The Indians claim the land is theirs. I'm a doctor, and you know how to deal with human beings. The Indians are angry, and so is the lumber company. Everybody's ready to kill each other. People start disappearing, the Indians spread the word that uh, they were taken by Katahdin. That's one of their legends. I'm here to study the environment. My people are violently ill, and this has nothing to do with alcohol. My people are fishermen, their lives are clean. I've seen children born dead. Born deformed. The end of this forest is the end of my people. Is that from Mercury? first become aware of this film uh we 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 talked off mic uh, uh yeah it'd be great to share your uh confusion when it came to picking this film off the list i sent you yeah i had a recollection of watching a film prophecy <laughs> and i knew in the back of my brain i'd seen the film prophecy but it wasn't this prophecy it was the prophecy with crystal walken which is a very different film yeah so kind of like harbinger of the end of the world like post like yeah. apocalyptic movie right yeah not this film. <laughs> <laughs> no. so when 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 did you first see this film then? um about three days ago amazing <laughs> <laughs> first, first time watch yeah were you a john frankenheimer fan before before yeah because funny enough i bought um seconds the film seconds mm-hmm on blu-ray because it'd been recommended quite a bit so i watched that and then i i looked at john and it's surprising how many john frankenheimer films i knew his filmography is patchy (laughs) 
but he has made some great films. What's interesting about this one is the fact that they like it's almost that John Frankenheimer felt like he needed to make a hit and like they like pulled in yeah David Seltzer who had written The Omen it's like kind of like oh that was a big hit let's get that guy to write us a film and then just kind of like I want to do a creature feature as well can you write a creature feature mate but also I read that it was because it came out the same year as Alien mm. and I was reading that there was I can't name it there was a few critics who were saying it was going to trounce Alien at the box office <laughs> this was a potential franchise starter which obviously didn't didn't happen. Yeah, they they had the they had they had the moxie to try and tease it as well uh, with the the ending we get. Yeah. Here. So before we get too deep down talking about it, I always like to put people on the spot and ask them to kind of give a a brief synopsis of what happens in this movie. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a husband and wife. Um, well, there's a logger company. Which waste, which waste, which their waste may be mutating creatures. So the a husband and wife tend to look into it as such. Mm-hmm. This, <laughs> what, yeah, that's the gist of it. <laughs> With Native Americans and some issue subplots. Yeah, so. So, so what 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 one of the things that like confused me straight off the bat with this and i think like um robert robert foxworth's character perfectly like kind of sums it up for the audience as well when that guy approaches him because obviously he's like this uh doc like on-call doctor who kind of yeah. deals with like kind of people who are in like dire straits and stuff like that and you get that scene early on where he's like out in like the tenements, do you know what I mean? Like a, a, attended to just like a rat bite, and it's like fucking like you get that sense that like oh fucking like he's like he's dealing with some shit, and then I don't one a big question I have is how did that guy know he was going to be there? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, There's that first ten minutes try to pack in a lot of <laughs> subplots and. There's a lot of exposition, like the whole Talia Shire thing. The, the opening, I really liked. Mm-hmm. It was good. And then Talia Shire's introduced, and then they have the exposition. But yeah, I don't know how we knew he was there. The rap bite scene was odd. So, so to the point of that, like the actual intro to this film, as you said, is great. It's this, like what it's like a search team kind of like fumbling about in the woods trying mm-hmm. to trying to look for these lumberjacks that have gone missing right and then like you get that kind of them abseiling down into that ravine and then like we dog off a cliff yeah and we i think if if i remember this correctly you get like the sounds that there is something potentially there and you get like the reveal of the bodies on the rocks and it's all like gruesome yeah. The dog's go- the dog goes off the cliff first. Yeah. Dog goes off the cliff, then they follow, and you do have that. You have that close in scream, and then the orchestral, which is, that was a bit of a weird choice. The orchestral music over the bodies, which was quite <laughs> gruesome as well. It was quite 
and then you realise why the orchestral music is because we're going to be introduced to Talia Shire. Yeah, and you talk about like exposition dumps, like her introduction to this. It's very like full on straight away because it's like her... yeah. I mean, it kind of took me aback how full on and such an exposition that exposition dump it was on stage at an orchestra. Well, yeah, they're kind of packing up, and her her colleague kind of yeah. turns around to her like cellist number two, and turns around and goes. He can't force you to have an abortion, and it's like, what? This is the this is the yeah. first line dialogue we're having in this in this first, creature feature. First proper dialogue was, yeah, you can't force you to have an abortion, and she says, "Well, he's very busy all the time," and you think, "Oh, he's a busy man." Yeah, so yeah, straight away we're talking abortions. Yeah, so yeah, 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 and it's probably best. That it happens at the beginning of this film because we don't have to dwell on it and have an awkward conversation us, uh, ourselves about it. But um, it, I just but it, found it's a very jarring intro. Yeah, definitely, and it, yeah, it is jarring because I, but yeah, but then also the the following scene is quite yeah. There's a lot in those ten minutes. We go from that to I'm not sure if this is like the Indians as they keep getting referred to, or the OPs. Yep. And then we go to the ghetto. Uh, that's what it's described. The it's a lot Yeah. in so, the opening. So I've got a clip from uh, the, like, the, the ghetto section when, um, yeah, Rob, I believe his character's name's Rob as well. It's Rob and Maggie, isn't it, the, the couple? Um so yeah, when when the, this kind of company stooge comes to comes to chat to him, and you get this great thing that uh, Robert Foxworth does perfectly in this, it's just like he plays like like annoyed really well, and I just wanted to play this clip that really captures that. I think that's most of the clips I've got actually. It's just every time that Robert Foxworth is outraged at something, but check this one out. No, I'll write a report here. No one will read. I'll file a lawsuit against a landlord that'll be settled out of court. Send that baby to the hospital for a couple of days so he can come back here and be eaten by rats again. I feel like I'm banging my head up against a wall. I don't think anybody's listening. You want to know something? If I could have planned your side of this conversation, I couldn't have done it better. So that's when we kind of get this proposition and we get another exposition dump that the the natives and the timber company are kind of at, pun intended, loggerheads as to what to do about the situation that's going on in the woods, right? Yeah. And then obviously we head off to the woods and the paper mill, which <laughs> the first, that all happens really quickly. Mm-hmm. It happens. There's not much discussion between. It happens. She takes her cello with her. I, I don't know why, but she does. She <laughs> takes her cello. With her. And yeah, we meet um, the boss of the who I can't think of the, from the thing. Yes, right, isn't it? it is. Um, um, it's Dysat. Uh, that's his. I've got his name written down right here. Yeah, I know the guy you talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is your man from the thing. 
he's your man who's um, running the paper mill. Mm-hmm. And then they are really quickly there. And then we start. Yeah. One of the scenes we get as well, and it's another, like, so we get introduced to the, like, native people and their kind of, like, quote-unquote leader is John Hawks, like, played by Armand Asante, who is, for all intents and purposes, a very, like, European, Mediterranean-looking man. Yeah, (laughs) that whole, yeah, it's quite, it was quite, from the, from that moment with the 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 OPs as again, and they keep referring to him as in and he's obviously not Native American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that when we meet them again, a lot happens in that scene. So I, I, I've got that I've got that scene. If, if this is the one you're talking about, the uh yeah, this. Don't let this happen. Are you gonna stand aside, huh? And we get a we kind of get a glimpse there into Leonard Rosenman's score as well, like the kind of like that is kind of frantically going like wee, wee, all the time and stuff like that, like kind of really ramping up the tension. But um, let's kind of uh, yeah, let's let let's discuss this a bit. What do you think of the portrayal of native people in this film? It's difficult because it's as you say, he's obviously not. Native American, and but actually, as I th- as it goes on, the portrayal is not. I was worried when I first saw it. I thought, "Oh, this is going to be bad." <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's not. Te- it's, yeah, I, I, it's okay. But I, I was concerned, especially given that first uh, the expedition dubs at the beginning with the girl scene, which is pretty bad. <laughs> I think we can say that's pretty get bad. Then I, I, yeah, there was concerns it was going to be problematic. Yeah, I, I think I think the plot is very sympathetic to the native people, and like, yeah, it doesn't fall into the traps of having like a ma- like magical native people or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it kind of it, it, did, when, it, it when I lined up at the at the cross and with the chair. I thought. This is where we're going to go. I thought we were going to have the whole mystic thing, and the, but it didn't. It was like you say; it was pretty sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, and and it well very much. You you quickly learn as well that we are like on the side of like Robert Foxworth and Talia Shire and the native people, and it is kind of like this film very much shows as as we've as as is still the case now that the white man is the devil <laughs> absolutely yeah we learn that pre- that's one thing that scene sets that up with the chainsaw mm-hmm. I, I did worry there was going to be an axe chain not worry i would have been all for it an <laughs> axe chainsaw battle which didn't happen but <laughs> yeah I, we quickly learn which side we're on one of the things we get uh, around the time when they're in like at the woods is we're introduced to um, Chekhov's uh, family who are going camping as well. Like, and, and yes. you, you know immediately when that kid's like, 
we're going camping. We're going to sleep out in the woods. It's like, you're yeah. going to die. Yeah, and the, the dad does that. There's that moment where the dad stops mm -hmm. and looks. There's something wrong with these woods. Yeah. Don't back, though. Let's keep going. So we know they were, yeah, we all know why they were there. Well, we get we get a few like misdirections as well because we get that moment with John Hawks when he's like, um, so like Rob had like has caught that like ridiculously big fish for dinner and they're cook oh, they're, yeah. they're cooking that salmon <laughs> jumping is awful. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw the salmon jump, the big salmon. I thought if this is this is the effects we have to come, this is going to be an absolute treat, and it didn't prove me wrong. <laughs> well, they're like, yeah, because in, in that moment, like when they're outside, like yeah, you get that shot of uh, John Hawks outside of the cabin, kind of like staring very like mysteriously, yeah. and like again with like the films like leading you to be like, oh, is he potentially like? in cahoots with Katahdin. Do you know what I mean? Like, is this thing yeah. of, like, do, do they summon Katahdin to do their bidding or something like that? You get that sense, because, like you said, the score brings that in as well. Yeah. There's a mystery, but, yeah. Um, so, one of, like, one of the key, like, key scenes I love in this is when uh, Rob and Maggie go to the paper mill and like he's like rob's asking questions to like the kind of foreman about what is actually going into the water um yeah check this out your question well i'm answering your question you're responsible for whatever everyone goes out of this plant you hire the contractors you sell the product you're accountable for whatever goes on here now, just, uh, how, how, how many pages in this report you're going to write I ask you a question. Now, let me ask you a question. How many pages? A hundred? How many copies? A thousand, maybe? I want to know what chemicals you're using. We're talking about a hundred thousand pieces of paper just for your report. Am I far off? Huh? And uh, how, how, how many sheets of paper are those other filing cabinets in Washington? You're not answering me. I am answering you. Now, I supply, but you demand. You're responsible, too. Now, unless you want to start filling your filing cabinets with rocks and wiping your nose with cactus... I want to know what you soaked the logs in. What chemical? None. I don't believe that. Well, well, then you take water samples. That's what we do. Yes, sir. Now, look. If those logs were soaked in chemicals, it would squeeze out in the pumping process right under the watershed in front of this plant. Now, we test that water every 10 days, and there's not a damn thing floating out there that we don't know about or anything that's harmful to the environment. Now, excuse me, Mrs. Fair. This feels like a perfect time to talk about Robert Foxworth. What do you make of his performance in this film? I really liked him. I liked him. I think he was channeling some Kurt Russell of Thing energy. Yeah. He had that, that vibe about him. Pre-Kurt pre Russell as well. Maybe Kurt Russell was channeling Robert Foxworth. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, I I liked him. I, I, I thought him and Tyler Sheldon good yeah i really liked him especially when he was like the clip you just heard uh when he was angry yeah when he's angry I, he really I, I i love his kind of like man on a mission like kind of like 
I don't because he's he's kind of be, be, caught between two fawns, isn't he? Because he's like yeah. he's just trying to find the truth, and he's like a man like, and it, it it alludes a bit to that kind of seventies vibe of like I don't know stuff like it's not a seventies movie, but like Blowout or even like uh, like the conversation where there's like a conspiracy like afoot, a and somebody's like. I just want some goddamn answers. Like that's the kind of like energy that Robert Foxworth you, brings to it. You had that bit again in the in with the rat bite scene where it was kind of introduced that he may be a doctor, but he could be a badass. Yeah, because he said, um, she said maybe 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 I put him in the hospital, and then he said I'd like to put him in the hospital too. <laughs> He's got a badass side. Yeah, it'll it'll fucking write you a prescription, but it'll also put you in a headlock if you give him any shit. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah, a lot yeah. of time. I got a lot of time for Robert Foxworth in this film. Um, so you mentioned the effects as well and the massive salmon. I guess we need to talk about the massive tadpole, right? What did you make no. of that reveal? Tadpole, <laughs> the, which they even refer to as. It's a tadpole. It's. It, I think they do say it's massive. <laughs> it's big. It, 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 yeah. That's how then we really know that things are going wrong in the woods. The massive tadpole. A, a tadpole's a, a strange choice as well. Yeah. A massive tadpole. I, I don't quite understand the logic that, like, some things just get massive and yeah. other things go fucking cuckoo bananas. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. salmon go massive. Some things go, like you say, mutated, <laughs> which will get ugly, like awful looking. Yeah, the salmon was just massive, and the tadpole was just massive. Yeah. But I assume if the tadpole was massive, the frogs are going to be huge. Yeah, that's a trick they've missed there. I yeah, would've I would have liked, like, oh, that's a big tadpole. Check out the fucking massive frog. <laughs> frog, yeah. So, so that's when we're, like, introduced to the, like, we get a bit, we get introduced to, like, more of the, like, native people. So we have, like, Ramona played by... um Victoria, Rami, uh, uh, Rassimo, and we get the older gentleman as well, who's kind of like, he seems to know. Like, that's the vibe you get from him. He's like, oh, let me tell you about Katahdin. Yeah. The, yeah, that's, the, that's the, the slipping into the, like, the mystic natives where he is the elder. They refer to him as the elder, and he knows of the um, the myth of Katahdin. Katahdin? Yeah. Katahdin. I think it is Katahdin, yeah. Unless yeah. I, unless I've uh, got that completely wrong. Um, so when they obviously, after the paper mill, we get the moment where, like, Rob starts to realise what the fuck could be going on. I believe him. Why? Why would he have offered to let you test the water? Maybe it wasn't in the water. Huh? Maybe it's heavier than water. That silvery stuff on your boot. Is it dry? Yes. They gave us a trick question in medical school. 
What's the only liquid in the world that isn't wet? What was the answer? Mercury. <laughs> so anyone listening to this, the the way that scene is played out as well. So obviously you heard the like music swelling. It might as well be that Robert Foxworth just like kind of like has his head arched down and as he delivers that line, like looks up towards camera like the shit has hit the fan, everybody. It's like that's the big moment, right? When you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Mercury. Yeah. It's a big of Mercury. Have we at this point of the have we has the raccoon been involved? The raccoon has been involved, yeah. So we got it, the kind of like Which yeah at, that was one of my favourite things in the film. <laughs> the like again, it the logic behind it, because that was just a raccoon. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a giant raccoon, a mutated raccoon. It was just an angry raccoon. Yeah. Ended up being killed with an awe and a fire. <laughs> but, yeah, because that said that he wants the raccoon. Am I right in thinking he ha- wants the raccoon tested? Well, yeah, he kind, of, he kind of wants to test everything, doesn't he? Like Now, it, now he's like hell-bent on testing the water once he realises... The mercury, like there's mercury in there, and I don't know about you, but like, is mercury a mutagen? Like that that they kind of talk about. I'm not. I'm. I. I don't know my science very well, but I was a bit when he said like mercury. I was like uh, mercury. Oh, I know it's not good, but like I don't think it's. I don't remember it ever being a thing. Yeah. They mutate things. Does it? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I remember. I don't like mercury. Don't put a thermometer in your mouth. The mercury, because in school, if it breaks, it'll be bad for you. Yeah. I don't think it would turn into a giant tadpole. I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, that's all. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's a. It, I don't remember it being a mutating. When when we get that like reveal that there is like a mutagen in the water, like. It obviously, like, and what it's doing to everything, it brings about possibly one of the most, like, devastating revelations you could get in a film. And it's perfectly conveyed on Talia Shire's face because she knows she's pregnant. He doesn't know she's pregnant. And we know she's pregnant. And it is just like your stomach falls out the bottom of your ass. Yeah, yeah, and 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 by now, she's eaten the salmon. Yeah, the salmon, because there's that conversation. Yeah, about it's in the fish, and <laughs> she is this. Is this the point they have the conversation where she says, um, "How much fish would you have to eat?" To... <laughs> yeah, and he's only a small amount, and you think, ah, oh, no, I. Yeah, I thought that's what for a while I thought because the tadpole's giant. I thought, here we go, this is going to be a thing. But there's a bear instead. Let's yeah, we're going to be ju- jumping about here, but like, I kind of want to just pull the thread on the like baby subplot because I feel like it's something that just well, it's not resolved, right? No, at all. It 
to me, it felt like maybe that was something that was, I don't, I, whether it was in the script, which was made more of, because you, I constantly thought we'd had the, you know, the, it was hinted at that this was, it was going to be a big thing. Yeah. I thought maybe, maybe the, I don't know whether she accelerate the birth and she's going to, I don't know, a giant tadpole. I don't know. But I thought there was going to be more something, but it doesn't really come to anything. We, we never know. Yeah. And it, 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 it poses a very like interesting moral conundrum. Like, and it kind of like, it's almost becomes a message movie on the idea I don't know of a yeah of abortion and that kind you know like where very progressive yeah. for its time you know like when people like now they can this is very very different because like it is potentially like a mutant like a, no and I'm not talking yeah, yeah. about like no, potentially a giant tadpole yeah or so, like yeah and it, yeah and it's it's not like it's not going to be like uh, going to go to Professor Xavier's school. So oh, it's not not that, going X Men. Yeah, and, and, uh, but like it, it, it poses that thing of you know, like when people could do tests to find out, like, is their kid going to be born with any disabilities and stuff like that. It kind of like flirts with that idea, and like quite progressive for nineteen seventy nine. But then, yeah, like, yeah, and it sets up as you said, like the first the the, the first dialogue we get is all about the pregnancy, and then like. It just leaves you empty at the end because it's like, why didn't you like resolve this? Yeah, that's why I absolutely thought, and even, yeah, that's why I absolutely thought that because it was our first bit of dialogue, mm -hmm. proper, well, first bit of like exposition, and like I, we know it's going to be an issue. So they're going to deal with issues because you kind of get that sense from that conversation. Like you say, it doesn't really come to anything whether it's just just be an added bit of tension and threat but i got the feeling there, there may have been or potentially would have been more of that that kind of just didn't happen even the original poster mm -hmm. which i say the prophecy is like a bear kind of thing mm -hmm. and it like it's in like an egg or jimmy so i I wasn't sure if that was yeah it's gone been swept aside and they've just gone well actually no let's focus on the, the bear well because we get like so yeah to kind of like break it down into a few scenes that kind of deal with it we get the reveal later on in the film when she kind of says to him like but i'm pregnant do you know what i mean like and yeah. the way he handles it is fucking terrible considering he's like supposed to be He's like portrayed to be this empathetic guy. He like and, and yeah. He suggests to kill it, right? He's like, yeah. His, his suggestions. Well, we've got to kill it. We've got to kill it, Maggie. And it's like, and then that is genuinely the last we ever hear of the baby. And yeah. when you get that, when we got that like scene right at the end, which again feels massively redundant when. She's in a hospital bed. I thought there yeah. would be some like I'm not sure. How did you read that kind of moment? Yeah, I I was 
thinking we were like we were going there was where there was going to be a, a tease for a sequel or we were going to have something because like you say that is it that conversation regarding that is pretty much it until the hospital bed and like I I was half expecting maybe you know the uh, David Cronenberg with the fly the dream sequence mm-hmm. maybe something like that yeah. I, I don't know yeah, it just doesn't come to anything yeah or or like I don't know I don't know if there was like a few added seconds where like he like mentions like uh, on like I don't know like do you know what I mean the doctor said yeah, like, yeah. it's not like you lot like it's it's not good or whatever or I don't know some kind of like full stop on it do you know what I mean like yeah. it turns out you weren't pregnant like it was all like wait you're all right uh, some, yeah some kind of closure to that that storyline thread but it is because I know there was a lot of cuts to bring it down because apparently I know I read that Frankenheimer blamed a lot of the failures I read that he blamed a lot of the failings of the film on his alcohol intake at the time that he was heavily in with in drink but also it is always it was heavily cut and to bring it down to it I'm not sure the rating but whether I wonder whether some of those cuts were part of that yeah so that's I lost because I mean there's there's cuts that could have been made rather than that yeah well it's got it's it's got a very saggy middle right like so they they I know we're jumping about but the because we we do need to get to the bay but the the (laughs) that scene is in the tunnel yes yeah is incredibly strange takes way too long and there are so many close-ups of eyes mm-hmm. it's not it's, it, it, it felt like it was a scene that was put into a film to make it longer but we know it's not a short film and it was already cut it, it's just a really weird moment that is because it goes it almost plays like something from like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place yeah 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 yeah, yeah. too long it just becomes <laughs> funny then not funny then funny again and then you go Actually, what is going on here? Because it's constantly on, on the close-ups of eyes. Yeah, the like, and the thing is, after that mo, after that moment as well, like it's kind of them just on a mad scramble to try and like get out of it. It kind yeah. of that's when it kind of sags, and it's only in like literally the last five minutes after that that it kind of ramps back up again. But obviously, before that, we get the and again, it's what like close to an hour the hour mark when we even get introduced to the the monster of the whole movie 58 minutes <laughs> 58 minutes before and before we're introduced to yeah the creature but i mean as introductions go it's one of my favorites yeah yeah because like, have the honors tell us about this this absolutely scene stealing performance that we get well uh, i again i garth Marenghi's dark place the the so the creature we finally see the creature which is um a bear like creature it looks more like a giant one of those skinless cats yeah this it looks yeah it looks like yeah, one of those giant skinless cats as, I don't know, fuck the giant pepper army. It's a 
real <laughs> and then it attacks the family we've seen earlier which we kind of knew they were going to be in trouble cannon fodder <laughs> yeah they were absolute fodder and then one <laughs> one of the children the, the, i think it's the boy is it yeah, yeah the boy zipped up just his face poking out of his nice little um, yellow sleeping bag and he what a choice to have him try and hop away <laughs> hop away and then our our big pepper army man bear <laughs> slaps him so he spins and hits a rock and just explodes in feathers <laughs> it is glorious it's i i've been yeah i've watched that since I watched the DVD yet the watched the film yesterday, I watched that scene, I would say ten times. It's 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 fantastic. And yeah, you mentioned the Pepper Army monster. They referred to it. I know that uh Tom McLaughlin, one of the performers who's like a mime, who was one of three performers who was inside like one of the bear costumes they had. Because one was the predator, wasn't it? The man who was in the pre- is that right? Yeah, so Kevin Peter Hall would do like any of the shots that were the full size creature because I think he was like this hulking like yeah, seven foot one guy and then on top of that they put like him on stilts as well so like the bear would be massive but then for like one of the like suits that was more close up they had this mime guy like yeah Tom McLaughlin yeah. was a mime so he could get the the physicality of it but like even then, you've got these like great talents. Do you know what I mean? Like Kevin Peter Hall, like is fantastic in Predator. He's fantastic in Harry and the Hendersons as well. He played Harry in yeah. that. Like, and you yeah. get that like great physical performance. Whereas in this, it looks like they're just constricted under this like suit. I don't think it would be unfair to say that the the Bear Pepper Army is shit (laughs) (laughs) they referred to it as the pizza bear because they said it looked like a melted pizza like you know kind of like yeah Uh, like perfect i mean yeah like i said there's no there's no it just it's real lumbering and there's no there's no movement to it. it yeah it's a choice so let's let's name and shame the effects artist on this that is tom berman is the 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 effects artist uh, on this who would like would go on to do some some interesting stuff which we'll get into a bit later but like yeah like the the creature and I know it isn't their original idea cause they wanted to lean a lot more into the Katardan thing because the the um description we get from like the elder gentleman is like yeah, yeah, we get the description, don't we? Yeah, where it's like... It's not what we see. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the description is, like, it's a lot more like a hybrid of different animals that are, like, yeah. have, like, the gills of a fish and this. Yeah, and, and the, a dragon is <laughs> the size <laughs> of a dragon. I did... The size of a dragon, yeah, and it, it... Like I said, it's a hybrid of creatures and it's obviously mythical creatures as well. The but, yeah, that the decision to what we ended up with is odd yeah it's it, it it looks like a kind of well it just looks like a a bear that half of it's like been like melted that's it yeah it, look, 
it, it moves and looks like a melting waxwork of a bear. <laughs> or like, like an animatronic yeah. from Disneyland is like malfunction yeah. and caught on fire. Being in an awful fire. Yeah, kind of. And it moves it. Like, I, you could outrun it. Yeah. Because it don't move very quick. It lumbers. <laughs> <laughs> It can't turn. <laughs> His neck doesn't work. Yeah, it's a, it's it's rubbish, unfortunately. Oh, you mentioned why we didn't see it for an hour. Mm-hmm. Maybe we were, and but then saying that, in the, you do see if they if they had had the feeling that maybe it wasn't the greatest, we do see it a lot. Then yeah, we yeah. do yeah. In the last forty minutes, we see a lot of it. I think the choice to to hold it back is more of that thing of taking cue from Jaws, isn't it? Where it's like tease the audience with like something is something's something's out there, but like we're not entirely sure. Do you know what I mean? We're not gonna we're not gonna blow our load and let you know straight off the bat. Like, yeah, because the, the opening is very Jaws, mm-hmm. almost cold opening with the is really similar to the opening of Jaws. Yeah. So yeah, that holding it back. But then Spielberg did have the sense to even when we do reveal it, to like maybe not show it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because tell me, like the the Katahdin, the bear, yeah. the pizza bear coming through the water and stuff, it really looks bad. <laughs> <laughs> But then, like the, the the idea that they, some people were championing and thinking it was going to be, you know, it was going to batter Alien at the box office. This was going to be a, I mean, what did they, what what were they going to do with that creature? Yeah, yeah, because like, so you you yeah, you've mentioned about it like battering uh, Alien at the box office. So the budget for this, well, it washed its face. So the budget was twelve million dollars. And it it grossed twenty two point seven million, but I guess with like budget, like with uh, marketing and stuff like that, that's probably like, do you know what I mean like? Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's it's not great. You know, it's not a runaway success that Alien was. No, not at all. It because yeah. it was, and it was, it was the title was the prophecy, the monster movie. Yeah, and then they because it's not the monster movie. <laughs> it's a monster movie. It, definitely. No, it's not the monster movie. <laughs> Quite a long shot. Um, so one of the things they find, it gets like, there's some choices made in this, like both on story and by characters that I am confounded by. One of them is when they find, I guess, what would be like a baby mutant bear. Oh. Yeah. In, in the water and they decide what's the best idea is we're now going to look after this and try and get blood samples yeah because they find they find they find two don't yeah. there's one dead and she, Talia Shah says there's one alive one's alive so yeah they decide to take a blood sample. but that, that again I don't I wonder if there was more to that because there's that scene where she's when they're in the tunnels again She's cradling it like a baby. She's almost looking after it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is 
odd because then it randomly decides to eat her neck. But yeah, I, again, I think there was possibly we were gonna. There was more to the parental yeah, yeah. story. Because it was hints of it, like that whole thing of taking the baby, <laughs> the baby pizza bit, <laughs> and they end up sort of looking after it because they do want blood samples, but then they keep it alive, and it, it makes that absolutely horrendous noise, which it genuinely was quite creepy. The only creepy thing in the film was yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that kind of like. It was awful. I haven't got a yeah, of it. horrible. <laughs> um, but again, I think they that hinted at because it was a baby and. I, again, I was assuming from that we were going to have more of the pregnancy thing than we didn't. Yeah, it's, 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 it's bizarre. Like, so what about the kills in this film? Is it, is it satisfying on that level that we get some good kills? Obviously, we've, we've talked about the absolute pinnacle of kills, but like the other kills we get in it. Um, I, once, the, like, you, once you reach that height of the sleeping bag kill, it's difficult to come. There's yeah. There's... To... The sleeping bag kill is so well. I say good. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, memorable well, at least. Do you know what I mean? It's, you're gonna yeah. be like. It's great because I'm absolutely gonna watch it again. <laughs> like, and I'm gonna say to people, you, you, you've got to see this. Because I, I, I sorry to go bar on it again, but it's the flip of the sleeping bag. <laughs> it completely spins. Yeah. And and doesn't like smack in a gory way. It goes in feathers. Absolutely, what a choice! <laughs> but yeah, the rest of the kills. Um, yeah, they're decent. I mean, they, towards the end when it all starts really kicking off with with pizza beer. Yeah, it's, and it doesn't. It's not. I think it was probably more gory. Mm-hmm. I think. Rather, I think. By, this, by reading things, they went for that. It, they were kind of pushed in the direction of the Jaws model, yeah. where they wanted to, which was going to, you know, for all markets. So I think it probably was more. Because weirdly, the beginning, those bodies and stuff, sets up a real gory film. Yeah. That's quite, that's quite graphic with them. He's smashed against the rocks and his eyes hanging out. And you think, oh, but it doesn't really until the end. Yeah. It's a lot and yeah, there's a lot of claw in the things, but not full on. Even when we get uh, Richard Dysart's like death, when he's like trying to get underneath that fence, you know, like when yeah. there's like that, like just cuts, like you kind of get him like the bear, the pizza bear's gonna get him, and then it's like, and then like cuts to yeah, cuts to. The other guys kind of just like far arsing around in the woods, just kind of like going, "Oh, we can't, we can't use the helicopter, and we're just gonna like kind of wander about for a day." And then like Hawk comes back and says, "Oh, I found, I found this like all-terrain vehicle we can get to the nearest town in, and stuff like that." Like, yeah, as I said, there is one decent jump scare though. It's a re. It's a quiet in the all-terrain vehicle because again it misdirects you when a then pizza bear comes and it's a it's a good yeah. good jump. But that is the only. It's definitely not a scary film. As that's the only jump. But it, like you say, the, the the gore and 
is really dialed back from that first. Yeah. That is going to be a gory creature feature. Like, I don't know. But yeah, it, it again, I think that, that's more of the cuts that were possibly made. Well, it's obviously like you can, like, now that you've mentioned the cut, you can see things where it's like there are gaping holes and like, Obviously, this has got like a beautiful restoration by Eureka. Like, it looks yeah. like the new Blu ray looks fantastic. It's just the yeah, thing yeah. of like, um, yeah, like I, I imagine somewhere out there there's some film canisters that have got like some of this missing footage because you get like that moment when they're on like the shore and the, the elder kind of like just gives up basically to. To um, he's kind of gone Katardin, Katardin, and I almost expected like a look between them or a moment where like it seems like, and this probably would where it would like teeter into the mystic native person territory, but like almost like a fake out where it's like, oh, he's managed to like get to the humanity of the beast, and then it like, and then you get that like, no, actually. Fuck you! Like I'm gonna kill you. Because I absolutely thought that's where I was going. Yeah. Because it there's that weird yeah like a split second where you, like you said that is happening. Because I thought they that because the bear stops doing the noise. It's <laughs> like a silence, and I thought, oh, this is what's gonna happen. He's gonna, but we don't see anything, and then we cut to them crossing the water. They look back, and he's flailing about yeah. in the mouth. Yeah, it's it's just fucking crazy, isn't it? And then, like, when they get to the other side of the water, it's just that thing. It it really suffers from um, a, like slat like slasher victim itis in the fact of like they get to the other side of the water on the jetty, like just about to get to the cabin, and they're just looking back at yeah, the yeah. beast, and it's like. Get the fuck out of there. Don't like don't fart ass around in the water. She says she says, it's coming. Yeah. Oh, I mean, again, that bear, pizza bear coming through the water is and the, the size percent perspective keeps changing as well. Because how <laughs> tall they swam, how tall is the bear now? Yeah. Into the water. But then it's at the moment they've gone, it's drowned, it's drowned. You feel like saying, Oh, come on, you know, it's not drowned, mate. Yeah. <laughs> what well, is it's that thing as well? Is there's a missed opportunity for something a lot more explosive as opposed to just all of a sudden you just see blah, 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 a few bubbles on the top <laughs> of the water. It's like, I expected that bear to just like smash through that jetty, grab one of them, like. Instead, yeah, you expect like the, there's none of those. The one, but it, like that jump scare in with the um, ultrain vehicle is more a music cue than a uh-huh. big jump. The, the beasts jumping because it, there's. I think that's down to the design of the creature because I don't think it could do any of that because yes. it, it, it lumbers about. They, I don't think there's a physicality like you say for that crashing through things. It never, yeah. It just appears and maybe brushes some brushes some trees aside to get somewhere. Well, you, you say that, but like when they like barricade themselves in the cabin, which we oh. realise pretty quickly is futile because all of a sudden, like the 
the pizza bear like just rips the fucking roof off <laughs> and it's like what the fuck like how and again it's that thing of perspective like how big is it like because it's like lumbering over them yeah and like when when he first sees the claws it, it will be the slash marks yeah. but i mean it walks through this yeah it's it's not good is it well, I do, we'll get on to it. We'll get on to how, how we'll score this in a minute. But um, what, like, <laughs> what do you make of this kind of final showdown that they have with Pizza Bear? Part of it are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until the, um, our, our hero doctor decides, he proper stabs her in the eye lovely stuff we have a real bit of gore then because you get blood lovely but i'm not sure why he decided to jump into the quite obviously the water and jump on the quite obviously rubber bear and then continue to stab it for quite a while and it looks again it looks it's quite obviously a rubbish dummy i think there's some really weird choices of obviously of cuts or things they've decided to keep because that looks real the 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 fight looks all right yeah but then it's the after when he yeah when he keeps stabbing in the water it's terrible i i love i love hawk's death again it's it's another like kind of very like considering like i don't know it's it's yeah it's in like the last two minutes of the film like He's managed to get a few arrows off at it, and it's like that. You think like oh, maybe he's done a good job, and then again he just gets like twatted the same <laughs> way that that kid in the sleeping bag does. And you see like again like a dummy of him just like fling through the air, and then we get a close up of him looking all haggard. Yeah, he's got a slash marks on his face. Yeah, but like okay, I think that this these the the slapping off it just slapping everyone so they fly through the air is possibly because I don't think that the creature or the design of the creature could fight in any way. Yes. So they just had to make do with it just slapping the people into rocks. <laughs> yeah. The, fi- the Yeah, the final showdown's all right. But I, yeah, it, again, I think it suffers from that. It suffers from the, the creature. Mm-hmm. Kind of the whole film, that whole final last 40 minutes suffers from the creature being so terrible. Well, yeah, and I think that is what these films kind of win and lose on, right? If if you're a creature yeah. feature, make the creature either good, like really good, or follow the Jaws model. Really, yeah. like, don't, like, don't show it. And I think that's why that film has stood the test of time. And is kind of like revered as one of the best films of all time. Is that like Steven Spielberg had the foresight to be like, you know what? We've seen the animatronic shark. It looks shit. So let's it's let's rub- figure out a way around it. Yeah, yeah. And people are gonna know it's a rubber shark. Like it, there's not there wasn't a moment of threat of this pizza bear. Because I reckon one solid kick from behind, it would have fallen over. <laughs> It, it, yeah, there's no, there was, 
yeah, that's where it absolutely falls apart. Because some there are there are bits which are because John Frankenheimer can direct. Like I say, he's got a is he's got a, a patchy filmography, but he he's an interesting director. Like like I said about that second, it's a real interesting film, and he's done some interesting stuff, done some terrible stuff, but he he can direct. But he, again, that interview I read that he said, you know, he was deep in alcohol at that point, and whether that is a reason there are shoddy choices, I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> it just falls apart in that last hour because the creature is so terrible. Mm-hmm. That is where it falls apart. Yeah, definitely. Which is a shame because, yeah, like I say, they are, they are, there's, there's the, there is the seed of a, the seed of a good idea, yeah. of an interesting thing. And they, they keep, they, they keep hinting at these interesting things that may come to something that never do. And then we end up with, Shit, me. <laughs> and then, like, again, it kind of ends in like a very anticlimactic manner. In the fact that, like, they like it's just like, yeah, he stabs the bear, and then they're flown <laughs> out of the woods. That's basically it, right? Yeah, and it, but, but we get the tease. Yes. Of that, uh, but we've got the tease of another shit, mate. Yeah, yeah. And that that's the thing, it's in broad daylight as well, isn't it? So it's like yeah. oh, there's yeah. no there's no hiding it. No. It, in broad daylight doing like a the noise. <laughs> yeah, and it mind you I say this, I would absolutely have watched the sequel. Oh definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm not it's it's the bit is terrible, but I had a good time with it. Mm-hmm. So I'd watch the sequel, even with the the new the new ship bit. So now we come to the point of the podcast where we rate the film, and the way we do it over here is by talking about the perfect wine pairing for the film, because those Coppolas they bloody love their wine. So what for you, Will, would be the perfect wine pairing for Prophecy? Well, I was thinking that. Mid range, mm-hmm. like like a Merlot, because something that wants to be like full bodied and classy, but actually <laughs> it's a bit shit. You know, it, it's fine. You yeah. can it, it, while you drink it, it's all right, but then it's not what it wants to be. Yeah, it gets the job done. I think that's very much what this film does. It's fine. I've I've had the bottle. I could consider another one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd happily also fall asleep and forget about it as well. But yeah, it, it's that kind of thing. You know, it's it, it's a mid range, nice label, lovely label. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard a lot of good things about the uh, the winery as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's a good, yeah, it's a good, a good winery. That one, yeah, yeah. Have a, have a go. Oh, it won, it won the uh, an award. Oh, it's got, a, it's got a gold stamp on it. Lovely, we'll have it. <laughs> it is what it is. Perfect. So, um, I think you've kind of answered that, but it, yeah, is it a bottom shelf, mid shelf, or top shelf wine? I mean, I suppose it's mid shelf because it has it's. I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, that is the thing. Yep. It's a mid-shelf wine because I enjoyed it. I probably, if I, it was Friday night and I wanted a cheap fix, I'd probably buy it again. <laughs> like, yeah, I wasn't, yeah, it was fine. But, yeah, it's not, it's not terrible. It's, it's not a terrible film. Yeah, the, the, that's what I was going to say. Despite all my, like, um, I don't know, like, jibes at it and kind of, like, poking fun at it, there is a lot to still be enjoyed in it. I think, like, the Robert Foxworth performance, that kind of, like... Tony Shane's great in it. Yeah, th- those two are great. And it's almost like yeah. that thing of, it, it, if it was just, like, a ecological, political thriller... It would it, like like all of that element of it is fucking. Do you know what I mean? If it was like that, if it was, if you, it's a creature feature that would be better without the creature. Yeah, 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 yeah. If if this was given so, to like De Palma, do you know what I mean? And it was yeah. a bit more like, what the fuck is that, going on? Well, funny you say De Palma then, because the bit in the the tunnel I said about that was quite De Palmery anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like if. It had been that the conspiracy they were trying to find out, and it was the Mercury, and we didn't have the frog spawn. <laughs> oh no, sorry, the bowl and the that stuff going on. Yeah, it's the bits of it are really good, but unfortunately, it's a creature feature that falls apart as soon as the creature comes into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, like, well, would you would you recommend people if they like, obviously? We've sport it for them, but like, would you like? Would you recommend people check it out? Oh, fuck yeah! yeah. Just even for the for the sleeping bag. Yeah, 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 definitely. And you, there's loads to there's loads to enjoy in it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I liked it. I'll probably buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, I would, like. I've I've got to say this. I'm not I'm not a company stooge. I haven't been paid to say this, but like. I've got to say, and I'm just oh, oh, like really chuffed because it's the first company who I've contacted for like a a press screening of a Blu-ray have sent it to me. But the Eureka release of this is great. Like it's kind of like it's got some great oh, interviews and like the the picture and sound on the on the film looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, I, I say about that tunnel scene, like the tunnel scene is odd, but the actual it looks amazing. It really does. It's so it's so clear and crisp. But yeah, the, the release is amazing. I I yeah, I will I <laughs> I I because it's my I love a a B movie creature feature. That that's like I buy a lot of arrow and I've got seconds on you So like yeah, I'll buy it because I'll definitely watch it again. Yeah, it's lucky, yeah, right. Yeah, but it's it's when I could say to few few beers or and say i've got a film you you've got to see the the bear you've got to see the sleeping back that kind of film yeah, yeah. i absolutely recommend people because it's not it does what it does and it does it fine it's just a shame that the <laughs> eh, shit <laughs> well that's perfect yeah i think i think you summed it up perfectly there um another thing we like to do on this podcast where we wrap stuff up as well is See if there was any Coppola connections. So were there anyone who worked on the film who have worked with another Coppola family member somewhere down the line? Did you manage to find any, Will? Well, no. Well, it's, 
it's a collection of sorts. It's quite tenuous, but it does link up. All right, so, yeah, I have it. Yeah. So, um, John Frankenheimer. Yep. Right, Fra- right. Let's start. Francis Ford Coppola. Yep. Brand- mm-hmm. Frankenheimer directed Brando in Island of Dr. Moreau, which was another creature feature, which is terrible. <laughs> That's the connection I've made. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. I'll I'll yeah. I'll run through a few um It's tenuous, but I'm having it. I'll run through a few boring but like direct connections that I really yeah. had to dig for on this one. I really had to kind of I did try. Look into the the people who worked in like costume <laughs> and do you know what I mean? <laughs> like stuff like that to find some links. Uh the top one might be my favourite. Bob Tenhoon was Carl Kovic in Wild at Heart, but his scenes were deleted. Uh, so I love that. He was in the film, but he's not in the film. Um, I kind of wish the tadpole was a coppler. That would have been... <laughs> that would have been amazing. Uh, the editor of this, Tom Wolfe, was uh, the editor of Wind Talkers as well, the uh, John Woo... Nicholas Cage film from 2002 I want to say um and then yeah the set direct the set decorator worked on the Cotton Club which was directed by Francis Ford Coppola and All the President's Men which was scored by David Shire and then I don't yeah let's run through the our man our man of the moment your best mate Tom Berman the effects artist worked on City of Angels as uh, the makeup effects artist. Not that I, I don't really remember any makeup. In, maybe I don't know, make Cage look a make- bit more angel-like. And uh, Con Air as well. He did the special makeup effects in Con Air. Again, I'm not really sure. Maybe what's happening with him is they're saying, "Look, come on." You can be the makeup, but just don't do any makeup, mate. <laughs> you can. We're we'll so- give you a cr- <laughs> yes. Put stuff away. And um, yeah, he did some additional makeup work on the Godfather Part Three. So make of that yep. what you will. Maybe old it up, Al Pacino. Put that talcum powder in his hair. <laughs> I love him. If they kept bringing him in, and he constantly wants to put a pizza in everything, mm-hmm. I'd yeah. like, no, not no, not the pizza beer again, <laughs> mate. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, let's round this out with me asking you some questions that I'm ever so glad that I'm asking instead of answering. So the which what the first one is: which Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, you get rid of the filmographies of the rest of the family. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a world without Apocalypse Now, Godfather. It's hard to bet. It's Nicolas Cage, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Nicolas Cage. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely Nicolas Cage. I mean, that seems like a cop-out answer considering the podcast, but it is absolutely Nicolas Cage. I mean, I can't live in a world without Con Air, Face Off, and Wilder Heart. I, I, I just don't want to be in it. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that's the right answer, but it's the right answer. It's the right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. Uh, yeah, I love. I love. I love. Like I keep saying this in the podcast, but I love people who answer this question as selfishly as possible with what they want. I, I feel like, and this is no discredit to people who answer the question with, "Oh, if I look at like the the state of film as it were, like do you know what I mean, I think for other people." like the world wouldn't be the same without Francis Ford Coppola. It's like, yeah, but that's no fun. I want to know what, yeah. what makes you tick. Yeah, I want to watch, I I want to watch Willy's Wonderland on a Friday. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so based off this film alone, are the Coppola's the greatest film family of all time? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Based on this film alone? No. I mean... Like that. Well, that's maybe that's a bit unfair because Talia Shire is good. She is. She is good in it. Mm-hmm. But no, <laughs> yeah. she's fighting her case, but unfortunately, she lost it yeah. uh, to a big pizza bear. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. possibly the most important question on this podcast is: What does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? Well, I watched Lost in Translation again today. Okay. I did. And I hadn't seen it for a long time. And I'd like to think that the standard answer is he says something along the lines of, you know, you, you don't need me. But what struck me is she says a line about writing, about being a writer, mm-hmm. but she, never, never, she doesn't think she's any good. So I think he says to her, you should. You can write to me. You don't need me, but you can write to me because you know you can write. I'd love that. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I didn't know where that was going to go. I thought you were, thought you were gearing up for a, to, to do a I, rug pull and a big gag at the end. No, I gotta be honest. I wasn't sure it was going because I just said that then. <laughs> <laughs> but going with it. Amazing. That's uh, that's that's a perfect answer. Well. Thank you so much for coming and making some Coppola connections with me, Will. Uh, where can people find you if they want to hassle you? If they disagree with your opinions on this film, where can they come and find you and tell you you're wrong? I'm just me. I, I just Twitter. That's where I don't really do the others, but I'm just on Twitter at Will Chich. That's Perfect. Where I'm at. If anyone wants to disagree with me about the pizza beer, <laughs> well, again. Or, 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 or talk exploding sleeping bags. I'm fine with it. Yes, please. Yeah. Just, uh, please, if you're listening to this, guys, uh, I I beg of you to I, I will I will I will pin it to my fucking top of my Twitter <laughs> when you hear this to just use the gif that is there and just at will. At will in it. Just send it to send loads of loads of that gif, and I think it will make everyone's day. Absolutely, a whole much brighter, right? It was like seeing that seeing that gif over and over again. Well, will it's been an absolute pleasure having you here to make some Coppola connections with me. Thank you very much.
And there we go. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to win Will around to the Coppola's being the greatest film family of all time. But there's still plenty of films to make up that tally chart to uh, make, make it so I am right in the end that I'm not wasting my time and that I am uh, <laughs> vindicated that they are the greatest cinematic family of all time, baby. Uh, and I will be doing so next week by talking to the fantastic David Trumbull all about Jason Schwartzman's first ever screen acting role in Wes Anderson's Rushmore. It's a fantastic chat. I've been sitting on this one for a while. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it and uh, be prepared. It's a long one. I think it's an hour longer than the actual film, but we get into some real deep uh, places and kind of really bare our souls on this one. So, yeah, I think you're you're in for a treat. Uh, we we go to some places that I don't know that you'll 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 hopefully appreciate. And yeah, it's it, it was a really fun chat. As much as there was like deep chat in there, it was it was a really fun chat. So be sure to check out that one next week. In the meantime, though, you can always keep up to date with everything I'm up to, whether that is on all the socials, so it's uh, Instagram. Twitter, Letterboxd, and Facebook, all at Caged In Pod. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, feel free to drop me a message on any of those or drop me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. As I said up front, you can always support the podcast on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash cagedinpod. Or you can buy me a coffee, which is coffee.com forward slash caged in pod again if you enjoyed this episode or any episode of the podcast please be sure to rate review and subscribe on acast apple podcast or wherever you're listening to this right now it really does help to give me those nice rating and reviews it helps me like get up the charts i think the the highest like i checked recently it was like got to like number 24 in the film history charts on the apple podcast app which is absolutely crazy so if we can try and get it in the kind of top 10 let's do it guys tell people you know who knows their favorite film might be coming up who knows this might be their favorite podcast so let people know let's share the word so as always i've been petros pat syllabus your guide through the crazy world of the coppola family tree Remember to keep it caged in and I'll catch you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.